Mitch Melnick of TSN Montreal 690 has joined us uh, in the past to talk Bruins and Canadiens on the uh, event of day one. Hours away, we talk game one with Mitch Melnick. Mitch, Mike, and Lou here in Boston. How are you? Hey, how you doing, guys? It's been about three years, huh? I know. It's been a while. <laughs> you ready for this thing? Now, are you in town? Are you in oh, great to be back. Are you? Yeah, You're... I just arrived. I'm watching the Bruins huddle at center ice as we speak in the rink. Yeah, just got here. Well, we have got ourselves ready by uh, – we've, we've gone to Montreal and read the sports pages, listened to radio, and – uh, a site called uh, a, 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 a site called the Eyes on the Prize, which is a Canadian's <laughs> fan blog. This is bitch. beautiful. And, and I'm curious, how representative uh, is, a, is a passionate sports blog like the Eyes on the Prize there in Montreal? Are the listeners you talk to about the anger fans have in Montreal towards the Bruins when we get set for this series tonight? <laughs> That's a big word, anger and hate. I try not to get caught up in that, you know. Uh, it's uh, you guys know what it is. It's uh, it's passion at its highest level in professional sports with a deep history. Uh, I you know I have a lot of respect for the Boston Bruins personally. I was you know I'm old enough to remember Bobby Orr's the greatest ball, uh, greatest hockey player I ever saw in my life, and I'll go to my grave believing that. And uh, you know I loved watching the Bruins in the early '70s. I just liked watching the Canadians beat them. No, Mitch, we, we were talking about a lot of hatred. Obviously, Boston, Montreal. We know that from the Montreal side. Like what is it? Because we're talking about Chicago Blackhawks and the Bruins played them. We were, you know, you lost to them. We respected them. What exactly is it that gets under your skin with the Bruins? Is it just a guy like Marshawn? Well, I think it's you know when when the Bruins uh, talking to microphones and cameras and 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 are talking about stuff like we don't do stuff like that. We don't dive. We don't embellish. Uh, we don't do this. We don't do that. It's you know everybody does it. Everybody does it. Sean Thornton, stand-up guy, he does it. I mean, every player dives and embellishes a little. And the fact of the matter is, if you, if you pull players around the league, uh, you know, who's the most disliked guy on the ice? Matt Marchand probably wins that pull by a mile since Sean Avery was kicked out of the league. Mm-hmm. And do they respect Brad Marchand? Absolutely. It's kind of like, you know, Boston towards Subban. The bigger the moment, the more P.K. Subban wants that spotlight. And those guys are winning hockey players. On the ice, in the heat of battle, they do things that drive you absolutely up the wall. And you want to strangle them. But there's, there's a respect factor. As long as they don't cross the line and you know, do stuff that ends up in a, in a serious injury. These are, these are winning hockey players. And Brad Marchand and P.K. Subban actually have a very similar path to the National Hockey League. They were teammates. They won a World Junior Hockey Championship together for Team Canada. They have a lot more in common than people think, and frankly, a lot more in common than people from the two cities, the fan bases from the two cities maybe want to believe. See, I, that's, the thing is, when we talk about Brad Marchand, I mean, we, we, we're critical of him. You know, if we feel he embellishes, we get on him. If he feels he crosses the line, you know, there's no play for that. You know, there's no, we, we don't accept that. What I'm wondering is, because when I watch P.K. Subban, I agree. I think he's a great talent. And I just say, he doesn't need to be like that. Because when we look poster child, it's P.K. Subban. The Montreal fans look at him and say, you're a great player. You don't need to go down every single time somebody touches you. Well, I think he's so, you know, he gets uh, so much abuse. The thing about Subban, which is so impressive, uh, we can't remember. Like Brad Marchand early on in his career, you guys might remember this. He's carrying the puck. And he runs into P.K. Subban at the Montreal Blue Line. I mean, that is probably the biggest and hardest hit he's ever taken. He was, he was blindsided by Subban, a perfectly legal open ice hit, old-fashioned body check that way. Now, you know, he, his head's always up when he comes down on Subban. Subban is so elusive. You rarely see him uh, get caught like that. You rarely see him 
when he has the puck, it's out immediately. He does as good a job as any player in the league. But he does take a lot of abuse. He takes a lot of abuse. If you're watching on television, you don't see the play uh, in the rink, behind the play. He just, so that's his way of – I'm not trying to defend him. He's still learning. I mean, he's still a kid. He's, he's doing things that he won't do a year from now or two years from now. But it's a growing process. And, and he, he feels that he gets so much abuse that once in a while he's got to – Got to put some mustard on it. Hey, uh, talking to Mitch Meldick at TSN in Montreal, I, I agree with you that there are every team around the league. You know, there is a guy on a team or two guys where you, you will try to get a call. I, I just feel like watching Montreal play, Mitch. It's more about the. It's more in their DNA. It's more their style of play, and they do it more than other teams. I fact, the teams that I watch on a consistent basis maybe do it the most. Do you feel Montreal? Your th- that team is the most egregious when it comes to trying to get on the power nah. play to t- uh, take penalties. Ah, you guys have bought into this whole conspiracy thing. <laughs> Canadians are their whole game. It's a transition game. They're fast. Uh, they have as good a transition game as any team in the league. Sure. Uh, they use their speed effectively. And when you use speed, uh, teams are going to take penalties. And and just because a guy goes down uh, doesn't necessarily mean he's embellishing. I mean, they, they believe me. Uh, you know, as as I try to be as objective as possible, there's a lot of call. The Canadians get a lot of penalties, uh, a lot of power plays because they create a lot of power play situations with their speed. But there are, you count the number of times a penalty could be called on a Canadiens player, and it's not called simply because, you know, the referees get a little tired of putting their hands in the air. All right, Mitch, if the Canadians win this series, how, what, what's going to be the key for them? Yeah, I don't think they're winning the series. Um, you know, the Bruins are as good a team as I've seen in the NHL all season. Uh, I'd be, I expect them to win. What do the Canadians have to do to win? They have to hope that Tuka Rask plays against them in this series the way he's played against them in his career. He's 3-13. and 13. Head-to-head against Carey Price, he's 1-7. and seven. It's, it's incomprehensible the way he plays against everybody else and the way he plays against the Canadians. It's just not at that level. So if he continues to play the way he's played against the Canadians and Carey Price can raise the level of his game even more, I mean, he's had a Vezina Trophy, even though he's not a finalist, he's had a Vezina Trophy a caliber season. The Canadians have to score on their power play because they're going to get opportunities. Uh, they kill penalties extremely well. They haven't seen Shire in front of the net, though, as a, as a weapon on a consistent basis. So those are the factors, in my opinion. Carey Price wins a goalie battle with Tuka Rask. The Canadians' uh, power play, which has not been good down the stretch, uh, gets better. And their penalty killing you stays about the same as, as it's been over the last two or three years, and that's among the best in the league. Mitch, we spent a lot of time... With but the otherwise, tra- I see Boston winning. We spent a lot of time at the trade deadline crediting Montreal for getting Vanek and criticizing Shirelli for adding Mazeros and, and Corey Potter. Uh, Vanek looks like about a point-per-game guy since he got there. What, what have you seen from his impact? Has it been more, less, about what you thought he would uh, impact that Montreal power play in their offense? Well, actually, he's, he's, <laughs> what's surprising is that he hasn't really helped on the power play that much. Um, and the power play became too predictable. Hmm. He's really helped them five-on-five. Five. There's not been a good five-on-five five team with Vanek in the lineup. That Vanek, the RNA Pacioretty line, it's been tremendous five-on-five. Five. Vanek is a lot better than a lot of us thought he was. We knew he could put the puck in the net. We didn't realize how high his hockey IQ is. He's one of those guys, you, you look at him during the course of a game, it looks like he might be floating He's not floating. He's thinking the game. He's just slowing the game down. He makes plays in traffic that a lot of players just can't make. I know Pacioretty and D'Arnais have completely changed their game as a result of, of playing with him. He's constantly talking uh, during the game to his line mates about what to expect and 
Uh, and he, he's a Bruins killer, so that's another factor. I think he scored 30 career goals in 50 games against yep. Boston. So if, if he puts a couple in on the power play early, you know, that could, that could be an indicator. That could be a trend. You know, Mitch, you're talking about the schedule. Um, you hear anything about Montreal? We've heard some Bruins. Uh, Claude Julien, Tuka Rass talking about how this, this schedule kind of came up quick on them. Uh, and I would expect this would benefit the Bruins only being off four days as opposed to maybe being off a week, then it probably even out. But any complaints with Montreal as far as how this schedule was announced? No, I think uh, I think they thought uh, it was going to start Friday as well, but uh, nobody's nobody's complained. They're, they've been ready to go, as you as you mentioned. I mean, they've they've been ready to go after five days. I mean, they've got some guys who were banged up, like everybody, and uh, they haven't they haven't played very many twelve thirty starts. So that'll be interesting. Like I, a lot of us expect them to be a little sluggish tonight because of the long layoff. And I think this first game is such a key, especially for Rask. If Rask establishes himself right out of the gate here and puts some of those. Habs demons behind them it could be a short series uh, because you know I just I, I'm not looking for them to do anything on Saturday afternoon, frankly. So tonight's the key. So Mitch, you have the uh, Bruins beating the Canadiens. Uh, we need some advice on something totally different. We're going to be talking with uh, Tony Marinaro on the days after games. Going to be oh. hooking up with uh, his show on your station in Montreal for five, ten minutes after every game. Any advice for talking to Tony beginning tomorrow morning? <laughs> Make sure he doesn't sing, all right? Tony fancies himself as like the Montreal René Rancourt, and he cannot carry a tune. Uh, he, he, he actually sings on his show when he's in a good mood. So oh, if he boy. comes on the air and he's singing, that's bad news for you guys. Yeah, it's usually probably going to be after a Montreal win, so I anticipate him coming <laughs> on singing it to happen to win one day. We'll have to counter that. We'll have to sing our own once the, the Bruins win. Hey, Mitch, enjoy the city. Enjoy the I first couple I of games here in Boston, and uh, we will talk to you down the road. Always love being here. Thanks, guys. Uh, that is Mitch Melnick of TSN Montreal 690 uh, joining us on the AT&T Hotline.